A rested child is a happy child. Sleep Tight Stories is a weekly podcast that brings comfort and joy to families worldwide with calming bedtime stories. The stories are relevant to children and spark wonder without overstimulation, so they can fall asleep and stay asleep. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For a bedtime routine you'll miss when they're grown, Sleep Tight Stories. Welcome to this edition of the Dad Jokes Explained episode. My name is Graham Plass and I'm the producer of the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Each week we examine a set of dad jokes and explain what makes them so funny. Our aim is to arm you with information on delivering your own dad jokes to your friends and family so you can further spread the laughs and groans. Let's get to it. I asked my grandpa, after 65 years together, you still call grandma darling, beautiful and honey. What's the secret? He laughed, I forgot her name five years ago and I'm scared to ask her what it is. (laughs) The humor in this joke is derived from the unexpected punchline, which subverts our expectations. When we hear the grandpa's affectionate names for his wife, we expect that it might be due to a deep-seated love or a secret to maintaining their relationship. However, when he reveals that he simply forgot her name and is too afraid to ask her what it is again, an entirely different and surprising reason, it creates a comedic twist. This type of humor falls under incongruity theory where laughter arises when logic and familiarity are replaced by things that don't normally go together, in this case, forgetting your spouse's name after 65 years of marriage. Additionally, there's also an element of relief theory here. People often laugh at jokes about uncomfortable situations because they are relieved those scenarios aren't happening to them personally. Forgetting your long-term partner's name could potentially lead to awkwardness or conflict, something most would want to avoid, hence adding another layer of amusement. I like my women the way I like my coffee. I don't like coffee. (laughs) The humor in this joke comes from the subversion of a commonly used comparison framework. Typically, when we hear someone say, I like my ex the way I like my wife, we expect them to draw some sort of parallel or preference between two things they enjoy. For example, I like my books the way I like my vocations, long and relaxing. In this case, however, that expectation is appended with an unexpected twist, the speaker doesn't actually enjoy coffee at all. This surprise deviation from our initial expectations creates amusement. Moreover, there's also an element of self-deprecation involved here which adds another layer to its comedic value. Self-deprecating humor involves making oneself the butt of one's own jokes and can be seen as charming or relatable because it shows humility and vulnerability. Lastly, by using a common phrase but changing its context entirely, from expressing likeness to dislike, this joke utilizes what's known as linguistic humor, playing around with language roles for comic effect. My wife asked me to go get six cans of Sprite from the grocery store. When I got home I realized that I had picked seven up. This dad joke hinges on the concept of a pun, which is a form of word play that exploits multiple meanings of a term, or similar sounding words for an intended humorous or rhetorical effect. In this case, 7-Up is both a popular lemon-lime flavored soda and also represents the action of picking seven items up. The humor arises from two main sources. Firstly, there's ambiguity in language use. When he says, I picked 7-Up, we initially think he means he has lifted seven cans. However, it soon becomes clear that what he actually did was pick up a 7-Up, the drink, not a 7-Cans. 
this clever twist creates surprise and amusement. Secondly, there's situational irony involved here. His wife asked him to buy Sprite, another brand with similar flavor, but due to misunderstanding her request because it was phrased ambiguously, Pick 6 Sprites instead brought home its competitor product, 7up. The unexpected result forms the punchline making us laugh at this innocent mistake. So essentially by playing around with numbers as well as brand names in everyday context, something most can relate to, this joke tickles our funny bone. My daughter said we should go to breakfast at IHOP because kids are free. I replied well then we won't be going there. I don't want any more kids. <laughs> this joke utilizes a comedic technique known as misdirection. When we hear the daughters suggesting that they go to IHOP because kids are free, our initial understanding is that she's referring to a promotional offer where children can eat for free. However, the father humorously misinterprets this statement and takes it literally, as if IHOP were giving away actual children for free. The punchline rests on this unexpected interpretation of an otherwise straightforward statement, creating amusement through surprise. This sort of misunderstanding or wordplay often forms the basis of dad jokes. Furthermore, there's also an element of exaggeration involved in this joke which adds another layer to its humor. The idea that one could unintentionally acquire more kids simply by going out for breakfast is absurdly exaggerated and thus funny due its sheer implausibility. Lastly, by presenting himself as someone who doesn't want any more kids, even when they are free, he's indirectly expressing his contentment with his current family size, something many parents could relate to, making it not just humorous but also heartwarming. Where do nerds get their water? From a well, actually. <laughs> this joke operates on the principle of a pun, which is a form of word play that uses multiple meanings or similar sounding words to create humorous effect. Here, well, functions as both a noun and an adverb, of in one sense it refers to the source from where we get water, the well, while in another it's often used by people, stereotypically associated with nerds, when they are about to correct someone or add more information, well, actually. The humor arises from this clever linguistic twist, instead of referring to an actual well as we would initially expect when asked about getting water, it amusingly alludes towards how nerds typically speak. Additionally, there's also stereotype-based humor at play here, by associating, well, with how nerds supposedly converse, always ready with facts or corrections. This joke plays around with our preconceived notions for comedic impact. Moreover, there's also situational irony involved. Normally, you wouldn't associate something like fetching water, a basic activity, specifically tied down to any particular group, but here just because a nerd conversation style coincidentally matches up linguistically from a well, it leads us down that unexpected path making us laugh at its novelty. I once had a girlfriend who worked at the light switch factory. We dated on and off for a while. <laughs> this joke leverages a pun, which is a humorous play on words that can have multiple meanings or sound similar. It draws upon the double entendre of on and off, creating the humor in this dad joke. In one sense, on and off refers to an inconsistent romantic relationship where they were intermittently together than apart. In another context, it alludes to her job at a light switch factory where she literally turns switches on and off. The punchline relies on this duality. We initially interpret dated on and off as typical relationship status, but when juxtaposed with her workplace, the light switch factory, it amusingly takes on another literal meaning related to turning lights on or off. Moreover, there's situational irony involved, and normally you wouldn't associate something like dating patterns tied down specifically with someone's occupation, especially not something as mundane as making light switches. 
but here just because their functions coincidentally match up linguistically, dating on or off versus switching lights, it leads us down that unexpected path making us chuckle at its cleverness. Lastly, by tying in romance within an everyday setting, workplace, through wordplay, something most adults could relate to, makes this dad joke not only witty, but also relatable. A programmer was arrested for writing unreadable code. He refused to comment. (laughs) This joke relies on a play of words that is rooted in the specific jargon of programming. In computer science, comment refers to explanatory notes embedded within the code, which help others understand what different parts of the program do. It's considered good practice to comment your code for clarity and ease of understanding. However, refuse to comment also has a common meaning outside this context, often used when someone doesn't want to provide an explanation or opinion about something controversial or sensitive. The humor lies in this dual interpretation. The programmer was arrested for writing unreadable, bad, code but he refused to comment, which could mean either he didn't add explanatory notes making his coding understandable, hence why it's unreadable, or he simply chose not comply with law enforcement by providing further details about his actions, both interpretations amusingly fitting into their respective contexts perfectly. Furthermore, there's an element of occupational humor involved here as well. By using job-specific language, comment from programming, it creates an inside joke that those familiar with coding would particularly appreciate due its clever use within everyday life scenario, getting arrested. Lastly, there's also situational irony at play. Normally, you wouldn't associate something like writing bad codes leading up to serious consequences such as getting arrested. But here just because one crucial aspect got ignored, no comments, it leads us down that unexpected path making us laugh at its absurdity. I dated a zombie once. When we broke up, she fell apart. (laughs) This joke plays on the double meaning of the phrase, fell apart. In a literal sense, zombies are often depicted in popular culture as decomposing and physically falling apart. Figuratively, falling apart is also used to describe someone becoming emotionally distraught or upset, especially after a breakup. The humor emerges from this amusing juxtaposition. When we first hear that she fell apart post-breakup, we naturally assume it refers to her emotional state, as is typically used within dating context. However, when considering that his ex-girlfriend was a zombie known for their decaying bodies, it suddenly takes on another comical interpretation where she literally started crumbling. Additionally, there's an element of absurdity involved here which adds another layer to its comedic value, the idea of dating zombies, fictional creatures usually seen as horrifying, and dealing with a normal relationship issues like breakups presents an exaggerated scenario far removed from reality thus making us laugh at its sheer ridiculousness. Moreover, by using horror elements, zombies, within romantic setting through wordplay offers novelty factor, something most wouldn't expect but can still enjoy due its clever twist. Just divorced my wife for being a communist. I don't know how I didn't see it before. There were red flags everywhere. (laughs) This joke employs a humorous technique known as punning, which involves the playful use of words that have multiple meanings or sound similar. Here, red flags is the key phrase that carries dual implications. In one context, red flags are often used metaphorically to indicate warning signs or problems in a relationship. In another context, particularly relevant here due to his wife being labeled as a communist, it refers literally to red banners or flags typically associated with communist regimes historically. The humor arises from this clever wordplay, upon first hearing about red flags, we'd naturally assume is referring to typical relationship issues, as commonly used within dating discourse. 
However, when linked with her political ideology, communism, it humorously takes on an entirely different meaning where she was actually displaying literal or red flags. Additionally, there's an element of satirical humor involved, by exaggerating something like political beliefs leading up to serious personal consequences such as divorce, especially over something trivial like fly collars, presents an absurd scenario making us laugh at its sheer overreaction. Moreover, by juxtaposing politics within romantic setting through linguistic ambiguity offers unexpected twist, something most wouldn't anticipate but can still find amusing due its creative spin. Now for a quick break. Stay tuned for more dad joke explanations. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation, so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second grade teacher, and written by my husband Clark, an eternal second grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress... They gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I finally admitted to my wife that I've been secretly collecting magazines since we first got married. When I showed her she said, why you've got issues. <laughs> this joke hinges on a pun, which is a humorous use of words that have multiple meanings. In this context, the term issues serves as the pivot for the punchline. Issues, in one sense, refers to editions or copies of periodicals like magazines. Each individual publication is often referred to as an issue. However, issues can also colloquially refer to personal problems or difficulties. When someone says you've got issues, it typically means you have some sort of personal problem. The humor arises from this unexpected shift in meaning. When his wife responds with, wow, you've got issues, we are initially led down the path where she's commenting about his obsessive hobby, collecting magazines secretly. But upon realizing that of issues it could also mean magazine copies within publishing industry jargon, it takes on another amusing interpretation where she's actually just acknowledging his large collection. Moreover there's an element of situational comedy at play here, 
The idea that admitting something as benign as collecting magazines could be misconstrued into having a personal problems presents a comical misunderstanding between husband and wife, something many married couples might find relatable thus adding further depth to its humor. Lastly, by tying up everyday activities, like hobbies, with linguistic ambiguity offers surprise factor, making us chuckle not just at its clever wordplay, but also how easily common terms can lead us astray based on context. My girlfriend broke up with me because I listened to Linkin Park all the time. But in the end, it doesn't even matter. This joke relies on the clever use of song lyrics within everyday conversation for comedic impact. Specifically, it draws from the famous Linkin Park song In the End, where one of its most recognizable lines is, but in the end, it doesn't even matter. The humor arises from this unexpected incorporation. When we hear about his breakup due to excessive listening of Linkin Park, our initial reaction might be sympathy or curiosity. Why would that cause a split? However, when he concludes with, but in the end, instead of providing further explanations or expressing sadness, as typically expected post-breakup, he amusingly quotes their popular lyric implying nonchalance towards his relationship ending. Furthermore, there's an element parody involved here which adds another layer to its humor. By using dramatic humorock lyrics within mundane personal context, breakups, it pokes fun at how sometimes people might over-identify with certain music genres to express emotions thus making us laugh at this exaggerated portrayal. Moreover, by tying up pop culture references, Linkin Park, within relatable scenarios through lyrical wordplay offers novelty factor, something fans especially could appreciate but can still amuse others to its creative spin. Lastly, there's also situational irony involved here. Normally, you wouldn't associate something like music preferences leading up to serious consequences such as breakups. But here, just because one specific band got overplayed, Linkin Park, it leads us down that unexpected path making us chuckle at its absurd causality. I can cut a piece of wood in half just by looking at it. You might not believe me, but I saw it with my own eyes. <laughs> this joke utilizes a pun, which is a form of wordplay that exploits multiple meanings of words or phrases for humorous effect. Specifically, it plays on the dual interpretation of saw. In one context, saw refers to the past tense verb form, he saw, observed, something with his own eyes. However, in another sense within carpentry jargon, to saw a means to cut wood using a tool called a saw. The humor emerges from this clever linguistic twist, when he claims that he can split wood merely by looking at it and says, I saw it. We initially think he's talking about witnessing this event visually as per common usage, seeing it with eyes. But when considering its alternate meaning related to woodworking, cutting lumber, suddenly an amusing reinterpretation arises where just by a looking, hands are seeing or sawing, at timber enables him splitting them. Moreover, there's also exaggeration-based humor involved here. The idea that someone could physically alter objects simply through gaze is absurdly overblown, thus making us laugh due its sheer implausibility. Lastly, there's situational irony present too. Normally, you wouldn't associate something as passive like observing leading up to tangible changes, but here just because one term coincidentally matches up linguistically, see versus cut, it leads us down an unexpected path adding further amusement. What's the fastest liquid on earth? Milk. It's pasteurized before you see it. <laughs> this joke employs a pun, which is a form of humor that uses words with multiple meanings or similar sounds to create an amusing effect. The key phrase in this joke is pasteurized, which can be broken down into pasteurized. In the context of dairy processing, pasteurization refers to the process where milk is heated up and then quickly cooled to kill bacteria, making it safe for consumption. 
However, when pronounced fast enough, pasteurized phonetically becomes a pasteurize, suggesting something moving so swiftly that you barely get time to see it. The humor arises from this clever wordplay, when asked about fastest liquid would naturally think along lines of speed or flow rate, like water rushing through river. But when considering its alternate interpretation, milk are getting a past your eyes before you realize, suddenly an unexpected yet comical explanation emerges. Moreover there's also situational comedy involved here, the idea that speed could be measured not just physically but also perceptually, how quickly one sees, presents an interesting twist on how we usually understand velocity, adding another layer amusement. Lastly, by using scientific terms, pasteurize, within everyday setting, drinking milk, offers surprise factor, making us chuckle not just at its linguistic ambiguity, but also how easily common phrases can lead us astray based on pronunciation. It's already been 30 years since my brother threw a wall clock at me in rage. Can't believe how time flies. This joke utilizes a play on words, specifically the idiom time flies, which traditionally refers to the perception of how quickly time seems to pass. However, in this context, it is humorously applied literally due to a wall clock, a physical embodiment of a time, being thrown or a flying a through air. The comedy lies within this clever reinterpretation, when we hear, can't believe how time flies, after mentioning an incident from 30 years ago, as per common usage, we'd naturally assume he's commenting about swift passage of years since that event. But when linked with this anecdote where a time, the clock, was physically held at him by his brother, it amusingly takes on another meaning indicating actual flight. Additionally, there's an element farcical humor involved here, the notion that someone would throw something as unconventional and potentially dangerous like a wall clock during family squabbles presents an exaggerated scenario making us laugh at its sheer absurdity. Moreover, by using idiomatic expressions, time flies, within personal anecdotes offers unexpected twist, something most wouldn't anticipate but can still find amusing due its creative spin. Lastly, there's also situational irony present too. Normally you wouldn't associate something abstract like passing time leading up to tangible changes, but here just because one term coincidentally matches up linguistically, time versus clock, it leads us down an unexpected path adding further amusement. There's a new burger chain that's going after Burger King. To one-up Burger King, they called their new restaurants Burger God. Their slogan is Have It Yahweh. <laughs> this joke is a clever play on words and concepts that draws upon the branding and advertising strategies of popular fast food chain Burger King. It also incorporates religious references for added comedic effect. The humor in this joke comes from several sources. First, there's the amusing comparison between King Na and a God. In many cultures, God is considered superior to kings, thus by naming their restaurant Burger God, they are humorously suggesting their burgers are not just better than Burger Kings but essentially divine. Secondly, it uses puns based on religious terminology. The phrase, have it Yahweh sounds similar to Burger King's famous slogan, have it your way. However, Yahweh is also a Hebrew term for God, tying back into their divine theme while simultaneously parodying an iconic catchphrase. Additionally, there's an element of satire involved, by exaggerating something as mundane as burger competition into celestial levels, using a god, implying heavily taste, presents an absurd scenario making us laugh at its sheer overreaction. Lastly, by juxtaposing religion within commercial setting through linguistic wordplay offers unexpected twist, something most wouldn't anticipate but can still find amusing due its creative spin. My friend was kidnapped by mimes. They did unspeakable things to him.
This particular joke uses a form of humor known as punning, where words with multiple meanings or similar sounds are used to create an amusing effect. The key phrase here is unspeakable things. In one context, unspeakable things typically refers to actions that are so terrible or shocking they can't be described in words, often used within crime narratives. However, when associated with mimes, performers who use body movements and facial expressions instead of speech for communication, it takes on another humorous interpretation implying a silent act. The comedy arises from this clever linguistic twist, when we hear about unspeakable things done by kidnappers would naturally assume something horrific as per common usage, like physical harm. But since mimes traditionally don't speak, just their mere presence ironically becomes their horror a due its silence. Moreover there's also situational irony involved here. Normally you wouldn't associate something like mime performances leading up to serious consequences such as kidnapping. But here just because their defining trait got exaggerated, silence, it leads us down an unexpected path making us laugh at its absurd causality. Lastly by using performance art elements, miming, with an everyday setting through wordplay offers surprise factor, making us chuckle not only at its creative spin but also how easily benign activities can lead to comedic misunderstandings based on context. The cashier at the grocery store asked me if I wanted my milk in a bag. I told him to keep it in the carton. <laughs> this joke makes use of a comedic device known as ambiguity, which involves the use of phrases or words that can have multiple interpretations. Here, the phrase in question is milk in a bag. In many grocery stores, it's common for cashiers to ask customers if they want their items placed inside bags for easy transport. However, milk in a bag could also be interpreted literally, as if one should remove milk from its carton and pour it into a plastic bag. The humor comes from this unexpected shift, when asked whether he wants his milk in a bag, we'd naturally assume he's being offered carry-out assistance, as per usual shopping routine. But when his response suggests keeping milk within its original container, implying misunderstanding where he thought cashier wanted to actually transfer liquid into bags, an amusing scenario unfolds. Furthermore, there's an element of absurdity involved here. The notion that someone would consider pouring milk directly into non-sealed carrier presents such an impractical scenario making us laugh at its silliness. Moreover, by tying up daily activities, like grocery shopping, with linguistic confusion offers surprise factor, making us chuckle not just at clever wordplay, but also how easily everyday interactions can lead to humorous misunderstandings based on language nuances. I asked my grandfather to make the same sound as a frog. He did and then he asked me why he said because mom said when grandpa croaks we're all going on vacation. <laughs> this joke employs a humorous technique known as homophonic pun, which is based on the play of words that sound alike but of different meanings. In this case, croak serves as the pivot for the punchline. Croak, in one sense, refers to the distinctive sound made by a frog. However, it's also used colloquially to refer to someone's death, especially when speaking humorously or without appropriate seriousness about it. The comedy arises from this unexpected shift in meaning, when his grandson asks him to imitate a frog, croak, we'd initially think he's simply engaging in playful banter with his elder. But when linked with mother's comment, implying they can only vacation once grandpa dies, another meaning of a croaks, an entirely different and darker interpretation emerges. Moreover, there's also situational irony involved here. The idea that something as benign like animal sounds could be misconstrued into morbid predictions presents such an incongruous scenario making us laugh at its sheer absurdity. Lastly, by tying up family dynamics with an everyday setting through linguistic wordplay offers surprise factor, 
making us chuckle not just at clever language use, but also how easily innocent interactions can lead down unexpected paths based on dual interpretations. My vampire girlfriend dumped me after installing a mirror. She said she just couldn't see us together. This joke hinges on the well-known myth about vampires, that they don't have a reflection in mirrors. The punchline is built around this concept and involves an amusing play on words. When we hear, she just couldn't see us together, it's typically used to express someone's inability to envision a shared future within the context of relationships. However, when applied to his vampire girlfriend, who literally can't see herself, let alone them together, due her lack of reflection, it humorously takes on another meaning tied with her supernatural trait. The comedy here also derives from its clever use of literal versus figurative language. While he might be using a see a metaphorically implying emotional disconnect, she's interpreting a seeing quite literally as pro-optical visibility, leading up to their breakup. Moreover, there's an element of parody involved too, by taking something like relationship issues but attributing causes rooted in fantastical lore, like vampire mythology, presents such a whimsical scenario making us laugh at its creative absurdity. Lastly, by tying up romantic dynamics within mythical setting through linguistic wordplay offers unexpected twist, making us chuckle not just at clever pun usage, but also how easily common phrases can lead down humorous paths based on contextual interpretations. What do you call two people who hate each other? My parents. This joke employs a humorous technique known as self-deprecation, where the humorist makes themselves the subject of their own joke. In this case, the speaker is poking fun at his own family dynamics. The setup, what do you call two people who hate each other, primes us to anticipate a creative or unexpected label for such individuals. However, instead of providing an inventive term or punchline that typically characterizes traditional jokes, he simply states my parents. Herein lies the comedic twist, the punchline isn't a clever wordplay or pun as we might expect but rather an honest, albeit sad, observation about his parents' relationship, something which under normal circumstances wouldn't be considered funny. However within comedy framework it works because it offers cathartic relief, by laughing at personal adversities like dysfunctional families, a common social issue, it helps cope with its inherent discomfort and also serves as commentary on how sometimes reality itself can be stranger than fiction, adding another layer to its humor. Moreover, there's incongruity involved here too. Normally parental love is assumed in most societies, but when presented with stark opposite, hate, our automatic assumptions get challenged, leading us down amusing path due to this surprising deviation from norm. When my flight to Hawaii was late, they tried to make up for it by handing out those flower necklaces. It didn't make me feel any better. I hate delays. This joke uses a pun, which is a form of humor that exploits the multiple meanings of words for comedic effect. The crux of this joke lies in the term, delays. In Hawaiian culture, lei refers to a garland or wreath typically made from flowers and given upon arriving as a symbol of welcome. However, when pronounced fast enough a delays phonetically becomes a delays, referring to his flight being late. The comedy arises from this linguistic play, when he mentions hating delays, we initially think he dislikes receiving traditional Hawaiian necklaces, as per context. But considering its alternate interpretation, disliking a delays, suddenly an amusing explanation emerges where his dissatisfaction stems not from cultural practices but rather travel inconveniences. 
There's also an element situational irony here, despite airlines trying their best to appease passengers with local customs during delays, which under normal circumstances would be appreciated. Due to its homophonic coincidence, it ironically ends up reminding him about what annoyed him in first place, adding further depth to its humor. Finally, by juxtaposing everyday experiences like air travel issues within cultural setting through wordplay offers unexpected twist, making us chuckle not just at clever language use, but also how easily common terms can lead down humorous paths based on pronunciation nuances. What's the difference between ignorance and apathy? I don't know and I don't care. This joke employs a technique known as semantic paradox, where the punchline contradicts the setup in an amusing way. The question asks for the difference between two concepts, ignorance, lack of knowledge, and apathy, lack of interest. However, when answered with I don't know and I don't care, it humorously embodies both these states simultaneously, I don't know indicating ignorance about their difference while I don't care expressing apathy towards finding out. The comedy lies within this clever contradiction. Instead of providing a clear differentiation as expected in response to such questions, he ironically ends up exemplifying those very traits he was asked to distinguish, creating amusement through its unexpected yet apt demonstration. Furthermore, there's also self-referential humor at play here, which adds another layer to its comedic value. By making himself part of his own joke, being both ignorant and apathetic about answering correctly, it creates a sense of shared laughter due audience recognizing his deliberate defiance against conventional responses. Lastly, by using common terms, ignorance, apathy, but presenting them with an unusual framework offers surprise factor, something most wouldn't anticipate but can still find amusing due its creative spin on how we usually understand these concepts. That's all for today's Dad Jokes Explained. Wishing you many laughs and great dad joke moments with your family. I'm Graham Class and bye for now. This episode is produced by Classic Studios. See the show notes page for sources and credits. Check out our other podcasts in our network at classicstudios.com. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, Every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.